Good morning to those of you joining us from home. It is another Sunday morning here in Mango, Florida, and we are the Bay Area Church of Christ, and we're about to get ready to spend some time in worship with our Father this morning. Before we do that, we've got a prayer list here that we want to run through real quick. Um, this week we learned that uh, Dana Reed has tested positive uh, and is at home. Uh, Kelly Safanko was exposed as well as Keith, and they're being quarantined. Um, all the others that we know and have been praying for, to my knowledge, are at least doing better and improving some or cleared. So when it comes to the, the coronavirus, uh, we're still being affected as everyone is, but we want to continue to keep these people in our prayers. To add to that list as well, um, Karis... Uh, formerly Humphrey, uh, Aloha's daughter has tested positive, so we want to keep her and her family in our prayers as well. Uh, Armando Trejo was admitted to the hospital uh, with a blood clot in his arm, so let's keep him in our prayer list. Uh, Pat Unger is still recovering from a broken arm. Uh, Dee Harris had successful hip replacement surgery this week. Uh, if you're able to and uh, are willing, you can go online and look for a sign-up to, to provide a meal for her in her time of recovery. Um, that would be very helpful. Jessica Godwin-Boone, we've been praying for, uh, had, <clears throat> had uh, gave birth to a, a beautiful daughter, Charlotte. Um, we want to keep her in her prayers as she's having some blood tests done because of a low hemoglobin count after the birth. So uh, she is at home and recovering, but we want to keep her in our prayers. Um, our brother, Harold Stutzman, of course, we want to continue to remember to, uh, to pray for. He's still recovering and going through rehab. And then uh, our love and our prayers are extended to the Villinger family this morning uh, who are with us. We've been praying for Cheryl's mother, who was hospitalized with, with both COVID-19 and pneumonia. And then sadly, uh, this week, we received word that she passed away. And so we want to continue to be with that family and to be prayerful for them and lifting them up during this time and, and praying that God can provide them with a peace that passes our understanding. But we're, we're praying for you guys as well. Um, Thanksgiving's just around the corner, and uh, as we do every year, we're going to be putting together some Thanksgiving dinner baskets for some families who uh, are in need of a little assistance and, uh, around the holiday season. Uh, this year, the college age group, with the help of uh, Daryl Brown and Dwayne Peterson, are going to be uh, coordinating the shopping assembly of the delivery baskets. So if that's something you'd like to be involved with, uh, please reach out to one of those two gentlemen or reach out to the church office. We'd love to have your involvement with that, whether that be... Uh, contributing to, to the food or contributing to the purchasing of the food or, or, or the, the distribution. Um, also, if, if you or someone you know is in need during this time of year, um, please let us you know, be aware of that too so we can continue to reach out to those people as well and try to provide something for them during this holiday season. Uh, the Faith Lane kids are continuing to do their Zoom calls every Thursday evening at 7. This Thursday uh, will be the last Zoom for November with the holiday season coming around, so they won't want to miss this. And there's going to be a surprise guest host. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's why you got to listen to the announcements. Uh, be sure to log in to find out who it is. Uh, parents, for all who requested a Christmas box for the holiday season from Miss Angie for the Faith Lane families, those will be coming around Sunday, November 29th from 3 to 5 p.m. And it'll be a drive-through pickup as we've done here in the past uh, through, through the building here so we can keep that safe and, and distant. Um, the Sunday worshiping at the building is, uh, is obviously continuing to still take place. We'd love to have you here joining and taking part in that. Um, so if you can and if you're interested and you feel comfortable and safe being out um, amongst us, uh, by all means, go on the uh, webpage and sign up. We ask everybody to sign up the Thursday before the Sunday of worship. But we do still have some space here, and we'd love to see you joining us here in person if you're comfortable doing that. 
the youth group have a special teen and parent activity coming up this Sunday, today, November 15th. Um, all the teens and parents of teens are asked to meet in the Family Life Center from 3 to 5 p.m. Uh, the teens will be assembling some Christmas in a box uh, goodies for the Faith Lane kids and the Faith Lane families. And the parents are going to have a special time of, uh, of devotion as well and some time with Robbie. Uh, so there'll be no Sunday 1 p.m. Bible class today since they're all going to be gathering. The idea is to have them all gather here at the building from 3 to 5. So if you're in the, uh, the youth group, uh, make note of that and try to, uh, to join us here at the building from 3 to 5. Also, there'll be a classes continuing on Wednesdays at 7. Uh, last week, looking ahead, the next Praise and Worship Fire Devo, which we had uh, out here with, uh, with a lot of folks who turned out and, and really had a good evening just spending some time with uh, some of the younger folks and some of the older folks as well uh, around a campfire here singing some songs. It was very successful. We're looking to do that again on December 6th, so stay tuned for some uh, updates on that. Uh, small groups. We haven't talked about them in a while, but they are taking place, uh, and certainly during a time of quarantine, it's great to have that outlet to, uh, to, to kind of share and fellowship with each other. If you're not involved in a small group, we'd really encourage you to do that. Um, reach out to the church office, uh, get some information on that, uh, reach out to your brothers and sisters, find a good small group, and get plugged in. Uh, I think you'll, you'll find that you'll be blessed by doing that. And then we want to continue to keep in prayer our, uh, our missionaries and our missionary efforts that are taking place all across the globe during these hard times. Um, we have been blessed uh, in so many ways, but we've been blessed in, with the ability to kind of assist some of those folks in some of these other countries a little bit more during this time, and they're certainly appreciative of that. Uh, but we want to keep those efforts in our prayers as well. Um, on a little bit of a sad note, I got this letter this morning that I, I was asked to share with you. It says, Dearest Bay Area Church family, parting is such sweet sorrow. I would like to thank you for welcoming me into the family six years ago. God saw it fit to place me here for reasons I now know and understand. This family has been such a blessing to me. I appreciate the spiritual love, support, encouragement, and teachings that I have received from you all. Wherever I go, you will always and forever be in my heart. Please continue to take care of yourselves and each other, and may God bless you all. Love, Carmela Thornton. Uh, she says, P.S., I'm, I'm moving to California and be sure to update you with my contact information on vital concern. Uh, so our sister is going on to uh, uh, maybe not better things, but bigger and better things. Um, she'll be leaving us and, and we'll be continuing to pray for you. Um, and thank you for the blessing you've been to this family while you've been here. Uh, with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and start transitioning into our worship this morning. Uh, Tim's going to come lead us in some thoughts and and. Uh, that will be challenging and I'm sure interesting this morning, judging by the props here. Uh, we're gonna sing some songs together, we're gonna observe communion, and we are gonna spend some time just really putting our Father first. And so as we begin to do that, let's start off in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being a God who loves us. We thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as one body spread out all over the place, but to be able to, in a united voice, say we love you. And we are so, so thankful for all that you do for us. Lord, we pray that you will be with us this morning and you will help our hearts and minds to focus on the message that you have in place for us, that you will help us to be a growing experience where we grow closer to you. Father, we pray that you will be with those who are hurting, those who are in need of healing and help during these times. Lord, help us to reach out and to be the loving example that you would have us to be to those and to all that we come in contact with. 
Lord, we pray that you will be with our missionary efforts that are taking place all over this world. Lord, that, that your church will continue to grow, that your word will be spread, and that your example of love will be shown to everyone. Father, we know that that begins with us, and so we pray that you will give us hearts and minds that just long to be the servants that you call us to be. Father, we pray that you will be with those who are going to be traveling coming up. We pray that you'll be with those of us who are, are going to be spread out across this globe and, and during, this holiday, uh, during these holiday times traveling and, and being all over the place. Father, just guide over us, watch us, and protect us. Help us to know that you're in control, that you're in charge, and that when this world gets too chaotic, we still know that we have a unity together in your name. And it's because of your son's sacrifice that we can claim that, and it is in that son's name that we pray. Amen. Morning. I invite you all to join in as we begin singing, and if you're at home, uh, go ahead and join in. Uh, right from the first, it, it gets easier, and you get right into it. I thought of this song uh, last week when Tim was talking about our journey, and... Um, so sort of get us in gear and ready for him to continue on in Philippians today. Now let's begin with the Canaan's land. Can I invite you to stand for this first song? To Canaan's land I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. My darkest night will turn to day where the soul of Please be seated. 
sound good this morning. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy. Joy at the work of your hands forever. 
Tim's going to come and speak to us after this next song, and ladies, if you will start us off. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my soul magnifies. Yeah. 
see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're here too, uh, joining us from home or wherever you might be. Uh, Glad that we're together. Hey, before I get started, I want to make an announcement and ask a uh, question. And the announcement is starting next Sunday, we are going to be offering a uh, Bible class at nine o'clock both physically and, of course, virtually. And what my question is for those of us that are here together, as well as those of you who are watching online, we're trying to get a handle on how many people would be willing to take advantage of that 9 o'clock Bible class. And the reason we're kind of looking for numbers is to know what kind of format we can use. Um, It's going to be held physically in the Family Life Center, Daryl's kind of heading that up, and I think there's going to be some uh, rotating teachers and that kind of thing. So if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I'd love to come to a Bible class at 9 o'clock, socially distanced in the family life center, just raise your hand, just so I get kind of an idea of numbers. Okay, great. And if you're online and you're saying, I want to watch online, and I'm, you know, I'll be glad to tune in at 9 o'clock for a, a Bible lesson, put that in the comments. And again, just so we can kind of figure out what format to have it, um, we're hoping we can do it in a way that's a little interactive, and numbers will sort of dictate that. So if you can put it in the comments, yes, I plan on watching next Sunday, 9 o'clock. So, good. Thanks for helping me out there. I know that you have heard this story, because I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. A uh, young executive was leaving the office uh, right at closing time, and he's walking towards the door, and there standing in front of the paper shredder is the company CEO, and he's holding a document, and he stops the young guy and says, hey, excuse me, young man, I need some help. This is a very important, very sensitive document. My secretary is gone for the day, and, and I can't get this machine to work. And the young guy says, yeah, sure, no problem. He hits the power button, he takes the document, he slides it into the machine, it disappears, kind of whirls to life, and the CEO goes, great, thank you. I just need one copy. (laughs) Paper shredder copy. I know, hey, it's hard to find a garbage joke. So that's the one I came up with. You know, a couple weeks ago, I had a bunch of ladders here on the stage. Today I've got garbage cans on the stage with me. These are my garbage cans, by the way. So don't come to my house this afternoon. Kind of got trash piling up at home. But um, as we continue through this sermon series, I'm going to go ahead and see what else I can find in my garage that I can bring with me. But they're up here for a reason. Okay, we're going to get to them in just a minute. Yeah. 
You know, there is a direction that teachers are always pointing their students to. There's a challenge that coaches have for their team. There is uh, uh, information and, and something that parents are always trying to direct their distracted children toward, and that is focus. We hear all our lives the need to stay focused. And focus is one of those things that once you lose it, it's hard to get it back sometimes. And it's also one of those things that we tend to lose kind of gradually. And we don't even realize that we are losing focus until we've lost focus. And you don't need a preacher to tell you that once you lose focus in your life, sometimes things get a little bit uh, disturbing. We've been in this sermon series uh, looking, look, looking and listening to what Paul is telling us in the book of Philippians. And you don't have to read very far into this little four-chapter book to realize that Paul was a guy who had a laser focus, very sharp, very defined. Last week, we sort of landed on a really powerful passage that Paul shares with the readers. It's Philippians chapter 3. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. We talked about the fact that the Apostle Paul was a guy who, who lived his life in focus, controlled by the Spirit, and he didn't allow life's circumstances to really change the lens through which he, he, he looked at life. So this morning, I'm going to allow Paul to kind of challenge us to live a life of focus. And we're going to be in the fourth chapter of Philippians today. If you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and be opening up to Philippians chapter 4. If you've got your tablet or device, whatever you read on, uh, go ahead and be getting to Philippians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I'll remind you that this book that we call Philippians was actually a letter that Paul wrote to his Christian brothers and sisters in Philippi. And I'll also remind you that when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. He was in a place that he really didn't want to be. He wasn't doing what he wanted to be doing. And yet, what you find in the book of Philippians is a message of pure joy. We've talked a little bit about this already. But joy is mentioned more in these short four chapters than any other book in Scripture. In fact, chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious over anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Paul says, hey, rejoice. I'll double down on it. Rejoice. Be gentle. Don't be anxious. Be prayerful. Be thankful. And if we were really focused... I could say, my work here is done, have a great week, right? Oh, okay, be joyful, be thankful, be prayerful, be gentle. But I don't have to tell you that just knowing those things doesn't make it easy. It's tough. It's tough to stay focused on those things. You know, when it comes to things like <clears throat> New Year's resolutions or, or making real life changes, I think too often we start in the wrong place. 
I think too often we start with our behavior. I want to change something about my life. So I'm going to change my behavior. You know, I'm going to uh, lose weight. So no more sweets, no more carbs, no more fast foods. I, I, I'm going to get my, uh, my finances you know, in shape. So no more credit cards. I want to improve the way I uh, talk. I want my speech to be a little bit more godlike. So, you know, I'm just going to quit swearing. And all those things are good, for sure. But what you'll find is, if you're just telling yourself, I'm going to force myself, I'm going to will myself to change my behavior, what you usually find is, you can do that for a little while. But it is really hard to sustain that. It's just really hard to carry that out. I mean, I don't want to brag, but I just finished a 30-day diet in three hours. <laughs> so, you know, those things, they're hard to sustain. But the Bible suggests that true change doesn't start by saying, I'm going to change my behavior. The Bible suggests that real life-changing uh, uh, events doesn't start with my behavior. It actually starts in my mind. And if I can change my mind, then I can change my behavior. And if I can change my behavior, then I can change my life. So real change, real focus, comes by how we think. And I know we're, we're in the book of Philippians, but let me flip over to the book of Ephesians for just a second and take a look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. Since you've heard all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus... Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature because you're a new person, created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. And then Paul says it this way in Colossians 3. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think about only things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. True change begins with what we think about, where our minds go. So we've got to change the things that we focus our minds on. And God is pretty specific about this. Because again, God knows if my mind gets changed, my behavior will get changed. And if my behavior gets changed, my life gets changed. When I replace anxiousness with patience, when I replace worry with prayer, when I replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts, when I replace walking in the flesh with walking in the spirit, you know, things change. Let me look again at what Paul says in Colossians, or Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says this in verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Paul says that's the payoff. That's the end result. And we ought to really be challenged by this. 
And we ought to also be really encouraged by what Paul is telling us here. But I think there's a lot of times, especially in passages like this, when we have heard them so often, and we are so familiar with what they are that we just sort of fail to recognize the power that's in these, these kinds of passages. You know, Paul's talking here about a mindset. He's talking about an attitude, a set of habits. This isn't it just about how we act. It's about how we think, where our mind is, where we focus. So Paul is going to give us some, some guardrails as we think about this. He's going to give us uh, a little bit of filter to run our thoughts through. Look at verse 8, Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now there's the guardrail. There's the filter. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul wants us to know our lives can change when our thoughts change. When we're focused somewhere else. So, we should be asking ourselves as Christians... Okay, is this how I'm spending my time? The things that I'm filling my time and my mind with, you know, just go through the list. Is this activity true? Is it objectively correct? Is it noble? Is it honorable? You know, is it right? Is it just, is it just? Is it the way I should be living? You know the difference between right and wrong. Is it pure? Is it morally pure? Is it lovely? And it's great that Paul uses that word. Is it lovely? Is it beautiful? Is it delightful? Is it admirable? Paul says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And those are the filters. And those are the guardrails that Paul says, run your thoughts and your mind through those guardrails. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question, or give you a scenario. What if Jesus were to return to earth and come back as a man again? But he doesn't come back to uh, Bethlehem or Nazareth or Jerusalem. What if he came back to the United States? In fact, what if he came back here and decided to start hanging out with you? And what if he, what if he just decided to become your roommate? You now, your new roommate is Jesus. How would that work for you? You know, the things that are on your DVR, would Jesus sit down and watch them with you? Would he watch the shows that you watch? Would he, would he watch the movies that you watch? Would you be comfortable with that? Would he be comfortable with that? What if he checked your history on your uh, you know, computer? What if he read every single post you put on Facebook? All the things that you tweet. What if he went back and kind of sorted through those? Would, would you be proud of those things? Or would you be a little bit embarrassed? What about the music that you listen to? Would Jesus sing along? And I don't know if I've had people tell me, you know, music's one of those things. You know, nobody thinks about it. Nobody thinks about the lyrics. There's, it's just kind of mindless. I don't know about that. 
couple years ago, uh, my daughter and her family were here visiting. My three-year-old grandson, three years old, walked through the kitchen. You know, he kind of lives his life in high gear anyway. But he walks through the kitchen and he starts going, just a young gun with a short fuse. I was up tight, want to let loose. And I'm like, Mark, what are you singing? And he looks up at me, not a yes man, not a follower. And I'm like, is that Imagine Dragons? And he said, I was lightning before the thunder. And his six-year-old daughter, or six-year-old sister, is sitting at the table, and she starts going, thunder, thunder. Like, I look at my daughter, and she's like, I don't know, Dad. I'm like, yeah, they're listening. People are listening. But I got news for you. This crazy scenario of Jesus coming in and you know, being your roommate. If you're a child of God, if you've claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've ever put on Christ in baptism, then he's with you. Jesus and the Holy Spirit aren't just your roommate. They're living inside of us. And he does see what we do. And he does listen to what we listen to. He's taken up residency in our heart, in our mind. But he didn't just come to this earth to be a resident in our life. You know, he didn't, he's not here to be a resident in our life. Jesus came to be a president of our life. Jesus wants our entire focus to be on him. That everything we do filtered uh, through Jesus. Um, and that's where we run into the problem. Here's where it gets a little bit dicey for us. Because Proverbs 23 tells us that a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we got a dilemma. We got this monumental problem. Paul says, set your mind on things above. So we need to think about God's wisdom and God's will. But again, it's really hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to sustain. Because it's hard not to think unkind, impure thoughts. And it's really hard not to think about all the mean things people have said to me. Or all the rumors that might be strolling, or strolling around. You know, maybe it's hard not to fantasize over someone who's not your spouse. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right up front, if you're trying to do it by yourself, it's not just hard, it's impossible. You can't set your mind and your hearts on things above all by yourself. You can't do it. Uh, the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace those who trust in you whose thoughts are fixed on you. Paul tells the Corinthians that we are in a battle. And we're in a battle with the evil one. But we can't fight that battle the way we fight other battles. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, The weapons we use in our fight are not the world's weapons, but God's powerful weapons which we use to destroy strongholds. We destroy false arguments. We pull down every proud obstacle that's raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive 
and make it obey Christ. We take every thought captive. Not with our own weapons. We fight with God's powerful weapons. Because the enemy is going to target our minds. And if the enemy is targeting our mind and our thoughts, the battlefield isn't really our behavior. The battlefield is really our minds. Which brings me to my trash cans up here on the stage. <laughs> you thought I was going to forget about my trash cans. You all have these same cans at your house. All of you do. I don't care if you live in a mansion. I don't care if you live in a modest little home. We all have this can somewhere around our house, out in the garage, you know, behind the porch somewhere, and we all have this can somewhere around our house. If you're in Hillsborough County or Pinellas County or Polk County, in fact, probably wherever you're watching from right now, you have two trash cans that look just like this, and I don't have to tell you the difference because there's a difference in these two cans, right? This is the garbage bin. This is where we put garbage. <laughs> you know, maybe a broken lamp, maybe an old pair of shoes, maybe something that's been growing in our refrigerator for the past few months. But we throw all that stuff in this can. And then every week, or if you're in Hillsborough County, twice a week, you take it out to the curb. And somebody comes and gets it, and they haul it away. And you're good with that. You like that. Because there's nothing in here that's redeemable. There's nothing in here you want. There's nothing in here you ever want to see again. And when it's gone, it's gone. This can, of course, is the recycle bin. We put stuff in here, too. We put a lot of stuff in here. Cardboard, paper, glass, aluminum cans, plastic. And once a week, I take this can, and it's always full, and I wheel it out to the curb, and somebody comes and gets it, but it doesn't go to the same place. All the things that I put in here that I think I'll never see again, guess what? they show up again. They come back. The plastic bottles that we drink out of, they're, they're probably somebody else's plastic from some other time. You know, they are recycled. They're remade. They're renewed. And, and we get that. So all the stuff that's in this garbage can, you know, it gets hauled away, we never see it again. It's gone. All the stuff that's in this recycle bin, it gets hauled away, but it gets recycled. It gets made new. And in order for you and me to, to gain focus in our lives and become the person that God wants us to be, we need both of these things in our lives. We need a garbage can. And we need a recycler as well. And I guess I can just really only talk about myself. But i got to tell you, there are things in my life that go in here. There are things in my life that need to go in here. The things in my life I've got to get rid of. I've I, I just got to get rid of them. They need to be gone. And they need to be gone forever. And then there are some things in my life that really should go in here. 
that need to be remade and reconfigured, renewed. You're familiar with Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, quoted all the time. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, we talk a lot about transformation. I talk a lot about transformation. Last week, I mentioned that, you know, our, our journey is towards a transformational relationship with Jesus. But I can't transform myself. Again, only God can do that. But that doesn't mean that I don't have a part to play in the process. And our part, my part, is to renew my mind through the power of the Holy Spirit. Change the way you think, and God's transforming work can begin. Again, that's why the recycle bin is so important. The recycle bin is constantly being renewed. I mean, I, I, I'm putting stuff in there all the time. But it doesn't just disappear. It doesn't go to a landfill. It doesn't go to an incinerator. It goes somewhere else. Kind of a reflection of our thoughts, kind of an ongoing thing. And if you do any kind of research, or even if you know from your own history, you'll know that the reason why most New Year's resolutions never make it to the month of February is because we decide we're just going to do away with something. I'm just going to stop. You know, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop overeating. I'm going to stop overspending. I'm going to stop arguing with my spouse. And we put all this effort into stopping something, and we never do replace it with anything else. You know, Martha and I both get hungry. We both eat when we get hungry. I eat ice cream when I get hungry. Martha eats fruit when she gets hungry. You know, she's replaced it with something much better. And we think about, okay, let's, let's replace what we're trying to, you know, to stop. Let's replace it with something better. And I don't know, maybe, maybe selfishness is an issue for you. You know, I want to be less selfish. Well, then you, would you be willing to pray to God that He would put someone in your life that you could serve? Some situation just kind of like, wow, God, th this has to be from you because like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to get outside myself and help someone else. Would you be willing to pray that prayer and then look for what doors God might be opening? Or, I want to read my Bible more. Well, would you be willing to read Place the time you spend on your phone with some time you spend in God's Word? You know, would you, instead of getting up and checking what your friends had to say, maybe get up and first spend some time and see what God has to say? Uh, the, the key is not to resist. The key is to replace. Because, again, if you change your focus, you'll change your mind. And if you change your mind, you'll change your behavior. And if you change your behavior you'll change your life. And until we figure out what stuff goes in here and what stuff goes in here, 
until we really figure out what needs to be thrown away, gone, out of my life, and what really needs to be worked on and improved and made usable again. We're never going to change the way God wants us to change. We're never going to allow God to transform us. That's why we all need the trash bin to get rid of stuff in our lives. And that's why we all need the recycle bin as well to continue to remold us that God can use us. You know, in Scripture, Satan is referred to as the father of lies. And he's also referred to as a deceiver and a thief. But he is also called our accuser. Satan accuses us. And Satan wants to define you by all the stuff you've put in here. And he wants to keep reminding you of all the stuff that you've thrown in here. And he's going to keep bringing it back up over and over again. He's never going to let you forget all the garbage that you put in that trash can. He's just going to bring it up and he's going to continually tell you what was in there. And he's going to continually try to convince you, you are always going to be a failed businessman. You are always going to be a drunk. You're always going to be an addict. You are always going to be a social misfit. You're never going to fit in. You'll always be unattractive. You can always be damaged goods. Because of all your garbage, you're never going to be good enough. I'm telling you, Satan loves to talk trash. But let me remind you, the Satan's statements are why we have a trash bin to carry all that trash far away. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has gone. The new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old, our old self, it's in here. It's been taken to the curb. It's been picked up. It's been hauled away, and it's never coming back. It is gone. David says in Psalm 103, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. David wants you to know all that stuff, all those mistakes, all those bad choices, all that sin, all those transgressions, that you've put in the trash can, they are gone. As far as the east is from the west. And I don't know exactly where my trash goes on uh, Mondays and Thursdays, but all that stuff that in my life that I've put in that bin, I know where God takes it. He takes it straight to the cross. And there at the cross, the blood of Jesus cleanses all that garbage. All my mistakes. All my poor choices. All my sin. That's why the trash can is so important. And that's why the recycle bin is so important. Because God specializes in taking our depleted, our broken lives 
Like he's the ultimate recycler. Uh, he does the hard work of, of taking our lives and, and rebuilding and restoring and redeeming and making us useful again. Making us worthy again. So Paul is going to conclude his, his thoughts in this passage in verse 9 of Philippians 4. Talking about our thoughts and our minds and dwelling on the right things and instead of the wrong things. He concludes it with a promise. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, just do what I'm telling you to do and the God of peace will be with you. And isn't that what we all long for? Don't we long for for God, the God of peace, to be with us? To take care of all the things that I've put in the trash can? And to remake and to renew all the things in my life that I've put in the recycle bin? Let's end with a prayer. Father, we ask for your peace. In a world that is so frantic and so hectic, would you help us to focus on the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and acceptable, admirable? If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, would you help us to think on those things? And Lord, would you help us to control our minds by keeping us focused on you and on your son. And Lord, I thank you for a trash can and for a recycle bin. And may we use both. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Hey, if you're joining us online this morning and maybe something's been said or maybe just God's speaking to your heart and and you'd like to talk to somebody or you'd like prayers of somebody about anything that's going on, um, you can go to the the link that's on your screen right now or you can go to our webpage and uh, we will pray uh, with you, for you. If you'd like someone here to get in touch with you, uh, we'll certainly make that happen as well. If you're in the audience this morning and uh, it's like prayers of people who love you, want to meet with one of our elders, at the end of our service uh, this morning, you'll be instructed on, on how to meet with one of our shepherds. Right now, Dave's going to come and lead us in a, a song to get our minds ready for the Lord's Supper.
Good morning. This is a time in our service where we're about to participate in the communion of the Lord. This is a time when we recognize the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. As followers of Jesus, we have turned from a life of sin. We move in a different direction than the people of the world. And our lives should be an example of that. As followers of Christ, we should always be striving for more knowledge, for patience, and godliness should be our mission. We also should be having love in our hearts and show God's spirit to the world. And most of all, we should try to communicate with those people that are lost in the world and don't know Christ. The road to follow Jesus is not paved with self-advancement. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 3, when the Lord was about to send out the 70, he told them, says, I will send you out as lambs among wolves. This is a time when we should be looking at ourselves and our service to God, and we should ask the question, say, are we taking spiritual risks for Christ? Are we going out and letting other people know that Jesus saves and that he comforts those that are lost? Have we counted the cost of discipleship? When I think about counting the cost, some of you know that I have a background in law enforcement, and I remember that one of the greatest times in my life was when I graduated from the police academy. And I was young, and I could run and jump and do all sorts of things. And, um, but I came to realize that no one told me that I would probably be the most hated among people in the community because I wore a uniform. No one told me that people would call me names, horrible names, things that I can't even repeat. No one told me that I'd have to witness some of the most horrific things that people should never see in this lifetime. And no one told me that I'd have to deliver death messages to family members in the middle of the night and try to comfort them when their loved ones have been killed. But through it all, I've come to realize that this world is, has nothing for you. There's nothing but death and destruction in this world. And this world is not our home. We live for Christ and we live for him alone. And we should remember that as we go forward in these services. And throughout my experiences that I've had, my faith in Jesus has grown. Because I realized that everything that happened to me, he was there. He was right there. So how confident are you that God's spirit has changed your life and that he lives within you? And you want to share that with the people of this world that are lost. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26 and verse 26, we find these words. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them and said, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood in the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, 
I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for another great Sunday morning. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for keeping us safe through this virus and through these trying times. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for sending your Son down to this earth to show us the way, the way, the truth, and the light, and the way to life. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you would use me as an instrument of your will. We ask, dear Lord, that you would help me to show the light to a lost and dying world. And we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that those that take this bread take it in clean hands and pure heart, that it will not condemn them in this life, nor in the life to come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're now down to another portion of our services where we give you the opportunity to give back some of the blessings that God has given to you during the week. We all know that we live in very difficult times in this day and that we're living in, and um, it's very important that we know people are hurting, people are suffering, and most of all, there are people out there that need to know the love of Christ. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19, tells us, say, Lay up not for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust do corrupt, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And as we think about our lives and the things that we do, we should always consider those less fortunate than we are. And we should always be willing to share with people what is in our hearts and what God has placed in our spirits with meekness and with fear. We should pray for those that are lost and try to help people wherever we can. Let us bow. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the giving we thank you for the support that we have, which only comes from you and from heaven above. We pray to Heavenly Father that we're able to take the things that you've given to us and use them for the greater good. And we help, dear Heavenly Father, that the things that you've given us, that we use them for the glory and honor of you. We use everything that we have to show the world that you are alive and that you've conquered death, hell, and the grave. We want to spread your gospel 
and we want to do it through our spirit that exists that you've given us for believing in you, dear Heavenly Father. We want to let that light so shine so greatly that people of this world will see Christ in us and they will come because they listen to the word. We know, dear Heavenly Father, that your word saves. We know, dear Heavenly Father, that your word makes things grow. And we look to that always in everything that we do and everything that we say. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing this last song, a reminder that uh, when we're done with this song, go ahead and have a seat and uh, we'll go through our dismissal uh, procedures. Um, I have posted a couple of times online about our upcoming cantata on December the 12th. Uh, we're still working on that, still working out details. Pray for our health, uh, pray for our practices because we don't have very many of them this time around, uh, but we look forward to that concert in, in a few weeks. Rejoice in the Lord always. You knew we were going to sing this song as soon as we started studying Philippians. You know, it, it's kind of, kind of a given. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice, Lord.